Last time on Wasteland Active Radio. Everybody pay attention. I have bad news. Mayor Philip Marshall has been murdered. You, the strangers who came in yesterday, you're under arrest for the murder of Mayor Philip Marshall. The, the sheriff knows who I am. What do you mean? He knows I'm Bloody Shannon's daughter. All right, now for the bars in the window. Think you can break them? Of course. Stand back. Perfect. Johnny, meet us outside. Go ahead, Chauvin. Have you heard of waterboarding? Can't say I have. It's a form of torture some raider gangs brought in from out east. They usually tie someone down at an ankle, pull their face down with a cloth over their nose and mouth, and pour water over their face. They say it feels like drowning if the lack of air doesn't kill you. The stress will. Hence, the heart attack. Normally use water, but my... They say Bloody Shannon would do that to people with their own blood. Called it blood boarding. Excuse me. Sorry to interrupt, but I just managed to access the mayor's computer. Let me check it out. Alright, scroll down for me. It looks like an executable. If the description is right, it should open the door. The bookcase just opened up. Is that a secret room? We found a secret room with the tools the killer used to kill the mayor inside. If the killer knew about the secret room, they almost definitely knew about the secret panel and the passage in and out. I'd bet the reason the courtroom's door was unlocked was because of them, too. Tammy, the prisoners have escaped. Wait. I asked the questions around here. Ah, screw it, you didn't kill the mayor. Hell, none of you probably did. I wouldn't be surprised if those riverborn bastards snuck back in. God, I could use a coffee. Riverborn? I'm, I'm sorry, Sheriff. I don't know what you're talking about. If you hadn't caught me reminiscing, I'd throw you back in the holding cell. It's a long story, but maybe there's something hidden there that might help. to me. It's gonna take weeks for this bruise to heal, you brute. I'm sorry, Pat. Really, I am. You lured me in and knocked me unconscious. Your apology means nothing. Actually, it was Atlas who knocked you out. The luring, though, yeah, that was, that was me. Sorry. You have the right to remain silent. If you have an outstanding bounty, your bounty will be collected as tax to Little Drink. If you do not have an outstanding bounty, you have a right to a trial by jury. Ugh, I can't believe you'd do something this stupid. What were you even thinking? We've been through garbage like this before. Small towns love to frame stuff on random travelers. We were trying to ensure that we got a fair shake by checking out the body first. You could have just waited for us to finish our investigation here. It would have taken longer, but we would have figured out how the mayor died and found the secret room eventually. 
And just let that sheriff of yours bury the evidence for an easy conviction, right? We get it. The sheriff's department needs to prove they can handle any threat thrown at them. Right. I've seen enough Wasteland justice to know that the punishment for most crimes is death. The entirety of the Wasteland could stand to learn a lesson in logic and- uh, Guys! Stop. She's gonna hear it from the sheriff anyway. So, what's the point in hiding it? What are you talking about? I may as well just spill it here and now. <sighs> I'm Bloody Shannon's daughter. <gasps> Bloody Shannon? The leader of the blood drinkers? Well, I'll be damned. But what does that have to do with you trying to break out? The sheriff already told me. She plans to have me hanged. On what grounds? I mean, yeah, you're a raider, but we don't have any proof of your crimes. I'm not a raider! The sheriff told me about what my mom's raiders have done to Little Drake over the years. Especially last year. That's why she wants me dead! She can't just do that. Wait, can't she? No, she can't. You'll still be tried in court by a jury of little drink citizens. Rita doesn't have the authority to just execute you without consent from the mayor or the judge. Yeah! Like the people of this town are gonna really find me innocent of anything. They'll hear, Daddy Shannon's daughter, and call me guilty without hesitating. Yeah, they'll probably find you guilty. Let's be honest, though, this little stunt of yours sure as hell didn't help. Everyone in town has been on edge after the mayor's death, and not just because our leader was murdered in his own office. What else could have the townsfolk so perturbed? Buffing up your vocab there, Johnny? Nice. There's rumors going around that it's from the curse of Ezekiel Riverborn. The what of who now? The curse of Ezekiel Riverborn of the Riverborn family, duh. Now, Pat, they're outsiders. You can't expect them to know about our history, don't you know? It's gonna be a bit of a walk. Mind filling us in? Yeah, why not? Have you been to Fairbank? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Well, until ten years ago, Fairbank was a flourishing settlement. We were self-sufficient, capable of growing our own crops, fishing out of the red wash, with a garden of herbs we could use to treat all manner of diseases. That was just on the surface, though. See, 40 years before that, Fairbank was pretty rough. Just a small group of scavengers that built a meager settlement out of what they found while scavenging. Eventually, though, a man named Ezekiel Riverborn came to Fairbank with his family. The Riverborns brought knowledge on how to improve the living conditions of Fairbank and offered this knowledge openly. They taught them how to farm, how to make medicine, how to fish, and most importantly, they taught them where that knowledge came from, the Book of the River King. The Riverborn family has been making moves in the south for a long time, and Ezekiel volunteered to spread the word of the River King to people throughout the wastes and traveled far north to Fairbank, following the Red Wash all the way up from Crescent City. Ezekiel claimed to have been led there by the River King's teachings. While the original founders of Fairbank had been skeptical of Ezekiel at first, everything he and his entourage taught them, everything they had done for the people of Fairbank, all of that led to belief in the River King. 
That's when Ezekiel made his move. It wasn't hard to get himself accepted as the leader of Fairbank after everything he and his fishermen had done for them. The fishermen built walls to keep out the raiders and monsters. They began attracting more settlers and building houses, encouraging people to start families, for them to go forth and multiply, that more may feel the generosity of the River King. Every Sunday, Ezekiel would hold a sermon where he'd read from the book of the River King and teach a lesson that led to the success of the Riverborn family. It wasn't mandatory at first, but anyone who didn't participate in the weekly sermons became the focus of unflattering gossip before long. Sheesh. Sounds like a straight-up cult. That reminds me. Back in Fairbank, I saw something written on one of the buildings. The river provides. The sheriff asked me about it during the interrogation, too. Yeah, that was the, uh, the, uh... Mantra? Oh yeah, that sounds about right. Huh. You make it sound like it wasn't so bad. But something tells me that it didn't last. You'd be right. The Riverborn family wrote the laws of Fairbank and enforced them with an iron fist. It wasn't just about crimes, though. They started breaking people down into groups, with Ezekiel and his direct family at the top, his entourage, the fishermen just below that, the oldest men of a household, the oldest sons, and then finally the women and children just below the bottom. The bottom was reserved for people who denied what Ezekiel was teaching, and people who didn't believe in the River King. Yep, that's undeniably a cult there. So, everybody just sat there and took it? Nobody spoke out? Oh no, plenty of people spoke out. In the end, though, they were all exiled from Fairbank. They were the bottom dwellers, the deniers, and they would lead all of us into sin and destruction if they were allowed to stay in Fairbank. In my opinion, the ones who were exiled, they were the lucky ones. They got out before it got bad. The Riverborns built walls, taught agriculture, taught us how to purify water, and the fishermen knew how to make guns and ammo. They kept us safe from the outside, but unless you were a man, the inside was just as bad. Finishing diagnostics. Results. Damage to chassis. Structural integrity decreased by 13.272%. Assessment. Minor maintenance required. Shoot me again. Aim for my processor and end my suffering. Jeez, Saul, get a grip! You could have killed someone! Me, preferably. What the hell was that? S sorry Sheriff. The robot made a weird noise and I... It spooked me and I, I, I shot it. Damn it, Saul, you lily-livered coward! You better not have destroyed the evidence the robot is holding. The robot's fine, Sheriff. The slug only hit the thing's shell. It better be, damn it. Don't make me come out here again. Ignore her. Unload your weapons into me. Reduce me to a pile of twisted, smoky metal and silicon. Bucket, enter sleep mode. Acknowledged. Entering sleep mode. Hopefully that will prevent any more misfires. You'll need all the slugs you can get if you need to kill me. Uh, that's enough out of you, mutant. Saul, load yourself a new shell. 
Jesus, Saul. You keep shaking like that, your gun's gonna shake itself to pieces. Sorry. Can't help it. I get he's a super mutant, but he's unarmed, locked in a cell, and we're armed with slugs. He ain't going anywhere. No, it's not that. What do you think the sheriff is going to do about the curse? Are you kidding me? You don't really believe in that Curse of the River King's BS, do you? Ha! A curse? You'd let superstition drive your decisions? Shut up! The curse is real! Oh, brother. Alright. You've got me interested. Tell me about this curse of yours. Shut it, mutie. And quit shifting around in there. Thou shalt not worship false idols, for the River King is the one true sovereign. His generosity and warmth are felt by his faithful. Go in peace to the riverbed, where he shall guide you through the currents and rapids. Saul, knock that shit off. You're freaking me out. <laughs> so you believe that nonsense as well? Has everyone here lost their minds? There is no such thing as curses. Shut the hell up, mutant. You you and your friends, you're all just facilitators of the curse. It's all your fault that the mayor's dead. Saul, shut the hell up and stay focused. And you, mutie, keep your mouth shut. The sheriff will find out who killed the mayor. Don't doubt that. I had nothing to do with Phil's death. If your sheriff had more than two brain cells rattling around that hate-filled head of hers, she would have seen that from the start. Damn fools, wasting ammo and wasting my time. Is everything alright? One of those idiots shot the robot. It's fine. Now, where was I? They made a caste system? Right. The caste system was rigid, unyielding. It started with specific families and gender, but after a few years, it broke people into more groups based on your job. The fishermen were seen as the arbiters of the River King's will, and they were the only ones allowed to keep weapons. People who treated water and caught fish for Fairbank came next. There were a lot more, enough that I could go for hours and still miss plenty, but either way, it ended with women being just above the lowest of the low. For men, though, if you distinguished yourself enough that the fishermen or any of the riverborns took notice, you could rise up from whatever job was forced onto you and earn more prestige. However, you could just as easily lose it by screwing up. The only exception were the fishermen. Short of harming or insulting the riverborns, they could do no wrong. The fishermen could get away with anything, and many of them abused that. Uh, are you alright, Sheriff? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Most men strove to become fishermen, either to earn more status for themselves and their family, or for the power that came with the title. It was difficult, but possible. As the other fishermen died during raider attacks or scouting missions, they would be replaced with men from Fairbank that had shown themselves to be loyal to the Riverborns. As for the women, though, the only way to ensure a better life was to be married and have children. The wives and children of the fishermen were well off, 
but still a little better than any others. As for the wives of Ezekiel... Wives? Like, more than one? Don't interrupt. Yeah, wives. A lot of Ezekiel's sermons talked about abandoning vice and putting that energy towards serving the River King and his chosen. Ezekiel, to my knowledge, never drank or smoked or used chems, but his one vice was women. He'd walk around Fairbank every so often and pick out a new wife from the population. It didn't matter if they were already married, they'd be serving the River King's chosen after all. It was an honor, they'd say. Ezekiel's sons were no better, and none of them cared about the age of the women, the girls they took. Most came back eventually, once Ezekiel or his sons had grown bored of them. The rest of them, though, nobody ever saw them again. Eventually, Ezekiel started getting more and more blatant with his abuse of the law, and people started to notice some weird ticks about him. He'd stand at weird angles, slurs words, flip from calm to angry and back in an instant, and it seemed like he was going blind. Sounds like syphilis. Seen plenty of people out in the waste catch it. Drives them mad if they can't get it treated. That sounds about right. Whatever he had, it was taking its toll on him. Ezekiel was getting worse. His sermons were more mad ravings. It scared a lot of people. Got people thinking it was time to pick up and leave. The first few who tried to leave tried to get permission. We never saw them again. The next few decided they'd sneak out. The fishermen caught him and brought him back. We'd given sacrifices to the River King before, but this was the first time it was people we knew. That's awful, but... What do you mean you'd given sacrifices before? You really want to know? <laughs> Not particularly. Slow drowning, tied up and in a burlap bag attached to a long rope. Alive or dead, they were fed to the rapids. The Riverborns would stand in reverence at each one. After that night, watching our friends and neighbors disappear under the red wash, a lot of us decided it was time to fight. The man who became our first mayor, Thomas Nguyen, led the effort. Hmm? Time for a new disc. Wasteland Active Radio is brought to you by the following sponsors. Brought to you by Explore Cave and Rock. Looking for a great way to close out the summer? Bring the family down to Cave and Rock, Illinois this weekend for 10% off guided tours. Cave and Rock State Park is home to a large limestone cave and, after a minor accident, a new set of large caverns has been discovered. Still being explored by, well, explore! That's with an exclamation mark. They're a team of dedicated spelunkers mapping out the entirety of Cave and Rock's new caverns. If you wish to come out and see the mapped out caverns yourself, the Explorer team is providing guided tours for groups of 10 every Friday through Sunday. For the month of September, the tour fee will be discounted by 10%, so bring the whole family along for a dive into these new exciting caverns. I've actually been to Cave and Rock, before and after the war. Before, there was a music festival held there and I spent the entire week of it on a day trip bender. Ah, good times, honestly. As for after, Johnny and I actually passed through a few months after we met. Cave and Rock has seen better days, but if you can ignore the radiation, the gloomy skies, the massive amount of Yaogwai living in the caves, and the smell of dead fish, it's still pretty beautiful if I do say so myself. I wouldn't recommend checking it out alone. Definitely bring a few friends with guns. Oh, and stay out of the caves. Getting through is difficult enough, but getting out is damn near impossible. 
made Johnny and I bleed from places that should ideally never have blood come from them. Moving on. Wasteland Active Radio is also brought to you by Dr. Crystal's Medical Caravan. Dr. Crystal and his team of doctors have been traveling the wastes for nearly 20 years. Hailing from the North Wastes, Drs. Clay Crystal, Lillian Smith, Yvette Taylor, and Silk Wilder and their team of interns are dedicated to treating all ailments. From illness to injury, Dr. Crystal's team of professional doctors can take care of whatever ails you. Dr. Crystal's medical caravan has decided to travel south to the Ash Flats and will be operating out of the old bowling alley east of Station Hill for the next few weeks and hope to open a more permanent clinic staffed by locals before they move on to the next region. If you need medical help, and you can make it, just look for Dr. Crystal's medical caravan. I've only met Dr. Crystal, his interns, and his guards, but they seem to be actual, fully trained professional doctors, and not bone-harvesting serial killers passing themselves off as a traveling medical caravan. Sterling tried talking them into contracting with the Dashwoods, but Dr. Crystal turned him down. Regardless, a small team of Dashwoods volunteered to help secure the bowling alley for Dr. Crystal. I'm hoping they really follow through on building a medical clinic nearby. The Ashflats could really use one. Anyway, Wasteland Active Radio is also brought to you by the Brookfield Theater. The Brookfield Theater, located in Brookfield, is proud to announce that renovations to the outdoor amphitheater are complete. To celebrate the reopening of the amphitheater, the Brookfield Theater will be hosting local singer Gloria Lincoln, accompanied by local band, the Pigeon Brothers Band, to perform the works of Billie Holiday, Aretha Franklin, and more in our newly renovated amphitheater. Come join us for a night of music and drinks. Cover charge to enter is $500. Woof. The Brookfield Theater's Amphitheater Renovation Celebration, this Friday. That, despite inflation cranking up the price, sounds like a great evening. For those who don't know, amphitheaters are these big stages that have a big curved back. Helps to amplify the voices of the people on stage. You may have seen one while wandering through the wastes and never even knew it. They're pretty cool, but I never actually got to see one being used before the war. Johnny and I actually saw the Brookfield Theater's amphitheater and screwed around with the acoustics. It was fun, but if you decide to do it yourself, make sure you clear the feral ghouls out of the immediate area. Trust me. Wasteland Active Radio is also brought... talking about Thomas Wynn. Right. Thomas was an older guy, late 50s, early 60s, somewhere around there. Ezekiel took Thomas's daughter. She was one of those who never came back, but he only started making moves in Fairbank after the sacrifice. Thomas talked almost half of the families in Fairbank into joining a rebellion. They didn't have much in the way of weapons, but they had tools that could be used to crush bone and pierce skin, or even break down the gate with the right effort. Thomas and his allies planned their next move for weeks before finally enacting it. They waited until night and started moving the allies out to the agreed-upon meeting place. But they'd been betrayed. One family, afraid of what would happen if they disobeyed the Riverborns, went to the fishermen, and before the families attempting to escape made it to the meeting spot, the fishermen had them surrounded. The fishermen led everyone to the Riverborns' house, where Ezekiel was waiting. His face was red and his eyes were wild and before anyone could say anything, he flew into a raging sermon, calling us all betrayers and heretics, non-believers, and so on and so on. We expected to be sacrificed. We knew it was a possibility, but 
It seemed better than living in Fairbank under the Riverborn's control. What we weren't expecting was for Ezekiel to decide to sacrifice the whole town. What? Yeah. Ezekiel ordered the fishermen to round up everybody in town and force them all down to the river. Everybody in town was pulled out of their homes at gunpoint, and all of us were brought to be sacrificed. That's... that's awful. How could anyone do that? And to their own people, no less. You've been living under a rock your whole life? Something like this really surprise you? <sighs> no. You're right. I've seen people do plenty of awful things to survive, but... Sacrificing, no. Murdering your own people. You said some of the fishermen were from Fairbank, right? Didn't they object? Did none of them do anything? I could tell it wasn't easy for them. But they followed their orders. They were chosen as fishermen because of their loyalty. Their devotion to the Riverborn family, the fishermen, all of them followed their orders and dragged people out of their homes. Not one of them did anything. You're right. None of the fishermen stopped or objected when dragging everybody around. But one of Ezekiel's sons did. I can't remember his name, but he tried to talk his father out of killing everyone. All that got him was a backhand to the face. I couldn't hear what was said to him, but the kid ran off, back to the Riverborn's house. Ezekiel had us brought to the river's edge and ordered his sons to start preparing people, getting a rope and the bags. Those boys didn't get far before one of them noticed that part of the Fairbank was on fire. That definitely caught Ezekiel's attention. See, the river king we all worshipped was beloved by all who knew his generosity, but had an enemy, the salamanders. In their words, the salamanders were abominations that lived in both water and fire and brought their flames with them to despoil the evidence of the river king's generosity. Ezekiel, looking wilder than ever, turned to all of us, and that's when he cursed us. You, all who have attracted the salamanders with your heresy, heed my word, I beseech thee, River King. Curse these blasphemers, for they who follow a false idol, their hopes and dreams will be shattered as the false idol shall be claimed by the River King's righteous fury. Again and again, until the last of you die, drowned by the River King's rapids, the river provides. He, his sons, and a small group of fishermen returned to Fairbank to put out the fire while we left with the rest. <sighs> Why the hell am I telling you all this? This was supposed to be an interrogation. Hey, I'm... I'm sorry about what happened to you. I don't know who killed the man, and I know none of the friends I'm traveling with could have killed him. Atlas is big and scary, and I know that he's killed quite a few people in his time, but in the months he'd been with Station Hill, a settlement I was responsible for, he didn't harm anyone there. Well, except Crispy, but Crispy literally asked for it. Sure. And the girl? Don't bother trying to cover for her. I know she's Bloody Shannon's daughter. Uh, oh boy. Um, listen... I haven't known her long, but Shobon, without her, we likely wouldn't have made it out of Bloody Shannon's vault. If anything, Jonathan will be dead from his injuries. I don't know her life story, 
But what kind of raider takes up medicine to actively help people? Besides- Okay, that's enough. I think we're well past on here. Uh, hold on. You're going back to your cell. And if I don't see your friends down there, someone is going to have hell to pay. So, what happened after Ezekiel left? I think they may have died. Don't you? But, Tammy is the one telling the- Oh! <laughs> I got it. Really, though? How did all of you get away? Well, with the fishermen around us, we didn't have many options. I heard people whispering about rushing them or just trying to run. Phil was the first one to speak out. Now, Thomas was a man of action, but Phil was always the diplomat. Phil called out to the fishermen, specifically those from Fairbank, and pleaded with them to think about what they were doing. Phil asked them to think about what they would be doing to their friends, their family, the people they grew up with. Thomas joined in, asking them to do the right thing. Everything went quiet for a minute. Then, Carson made his move. Carson was the sheriff before Rita. He was a fisherman who had been promoted after years of working his ass off for the Riverborns. Honestly, he was the last we expected to speak out. Carson turned his gun on the other fishermen and called for the others to surrender. <laughs> he gambled big time with how outnumbered he was, but uh, other fishermen started following his lead. In the end, more than half of the fishermen sided with us. The rest, we left tied up on the riverbank. From there, we all decided it was time to run. Huh. After everything they put you through, you just tied them up and left them. Mm, sounds like they got off way too easy. Killing them wouldn't bring back the people they killed. With them still alive, there's still a chance for them to change and make up for what they've done. Eh, sounds a little too hopeful to me. They were agents for a tyrant. I'm not one to advocate murder, but they definitely should have stood trial for their crimes. Right. Kind of like us. Except we haven't killed anybody. Well, we haven't killed the mayor, at least. And I believe you on that for true. Regardless, you still broke the law, and you're going to be held accountable. So, what happened after all of you escaped? <laughs> Couldn't get enough of the story, huh? Alright, well, in order to get out, we had to make our way back to escape through the main gate. Walking into that was like walking into an oven. There was fire everywhere. As we passed the main square, we saw Ezekiel, his sons, and the other fishermen trying to put out the fire. Ezekiel's youngest son was standing on the roof of the Riverborn's home, throwing Molotovs, laughing maniacally and screaming nonsense the whole time. He burned down everything we'd ever known, but that gave us the distraction we needed to escape. Still, we weren't in the clear. Some of the fishermen we passed took notice and started firing on us. They managed to kill plenty of us on our way out. In the end, less than half of Fairbanks' population survived that night. We ran for hours before we found a pre-war town that we took shelter in and started taking stock of what we had left. Families had been torn apart. So many orphans, so many widows and widowers. There was a lot of trauma that people still haven't managed to get past, but we pressed forward. 
You know, there used to be a town here, one from before the war. We repurposed as many of the buildings as we could and built new ones where we couldn't. I'm sorry I had to go through that. How old were you when that all happened? I was 14 and Rita was 16. Well, for what it's worth, I'm glad you made it out of there alive. Be careful, Tammy. This one likes to sweet-talk people so they get close enough for him to attack. You're not going to accept my apology anytime soon, are you? Pat, for Pete's sake, I get it. Yeah, that was a dirty trick, and you're a massive jerk for pulling it, but... Pat, we've told you time and time again not to fraternize with people we've detained. It was only a matter of time before somebody took advantage of that. I'm pretty impressed the people of Little Drink managed to put together a town as successful as this one. After the Riverborn family came to Fairbank and took it over, I'd expect Little Drink to be more wary of strangers. You can thank Mayor Nguyen for that. There were plenty of people who wanted to remain isolated from the rest of the wasteland, especially after some of the people still loyal to Ezekiel decided to travel to the Riverborn's homeland to seek redemption. Regardless, after a unanimous decision, Thomas Nguyen was elected mayor. Thomas believed that the best way to heal from what the Riverborn family had done to us was to meet new people, establish connections, and warn people about the Riverborn family. When the sheriff's department was established, Carson was elected as sheriff and kept us safe from anyone who would try to conquer us. Heck, Carson may have made a lot of mistakes in the past, but he was a good person and spent every day trying to make up for what he did. When my bastard of a father died, Carson offered Rita and me positions as guards. So he's the one responsible for getting her into the guard. <laughs> Sounds like a great guy. So, wait, are you two sisters? Not by blood, no. Rita lost both of her parents in Fairbank. My old man was close with her parents and took her in when they died. She only had to deal with him for three years. His best years, if I'm being honest. He'd been sick his whole life and took it out on anyone within arm's reach, including me and my mom, rest her soul. After getting out of Fairbank and helping build up Little Drink, it was like a switch got flipped in my old man's head and the person he was before it all was gone. That didn't make up for everything he'd done, though. Not important. So, Atlas told us that the mayor told him about what happened to the previous mayor. When was that? That happened about four years ago. One day, Thomas went missing. He just disappeared with no warning. Suspecting something was off, Sheriff Carson put together a search party and combed the area for any clues. It only took a day, but one of the search parties, just on a hunch, went back to Fairbank and searched the riverbank where the sacrifices were made. There was a rope tied to a wooden pole with a burlap sack tied to the other end thrown out to the river. The search party pulled it in, and sure enough, Thomas was inside that sack. That's when people around here started talking about the curse of Ezekiel Riverborn. Sheriff Carson, racked with guilt over everything he'd done and failing to protect the mayor, stepped down from his position as sheriff and turned to drinking. Carson drank himself to death six months after Thomas was murdered. Before that, though, we held an election for mayor and sheriff. Phil had effectively been Thomas's second-in-command in the rebellion, and Phil was already trusted by the people of Little Drink. It only made sense for him to be elected as mayor. As for Rita, in the few years she'd been in the town guard, she'd made a name for herself as being reliable and vigilant. Rita won the vote in a landslide victory. Ugh. 
Of course she did. I understand that she's treated all of you pretty poorly, but she is good at what she does. This whole situation, though, it's got everyone scrambling for answers. I don't believe in the curse, but I can't deny that the murderer definitely opened some old wounds. Well, anyway, we're here. It's back behind boss for all of you. Oh, hello! I see you got caught. Yeah, we did. Good catch, Tammy. <laughs> Looks like you'll be keeping your job, eh, Pat? Shut up. Thank goodness. I'm glad you're back. Good to see you too, Saul. Where's Rita? Right here. I see you managed to catch him. Good work, Pat. You're not fired. Th thanks, Sheriff. Now, Pat, get that cell open. The one with the bar still intact. Right away, Sheriff. All right, everybody in handcuffs, get in the cell. Hi, guys. How'd it go? Eh, could have gone better, could have gone worse. So, Tammy was able to stop you before you can mess up the crime scene? Were you able to hide any evidence that you were involved? Or did Tammy cuff you as soon as she saw you? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> they sort of helped us with a breakthrough in the case. You want to run that by me again? Thanks to them, we not only found out how the murderer killed the mayor, but we found the murderer weapon. Well, the equipment the murderer used. We also found how the murderer got into the mayor's office. There was a secret room that the kid over there found. You let them into the crime scene? You let them handle evidence? Are you out of your mind, Tammy? I watched them the entire time. They didn't make a move without me seeing what they were doing. That's not the point. You broke procedure. You allowed suspects to potentially soil a crime scene. And you did it all while knowing they were suspects. Okay, fair point. However, they did speed up the investigation. They shouldn't have been there to begin with. I don't know what you're trying to argue here, but you're not making any coherent point. Listen, they helped determine the cause of death. Something we already knew. They gained access to Phil's computer. Something we could have done after getting evidence off the robot. They found the secret room where the murderer hid and kept the equipment the killer used to murder Phil. Again. Something we would have found before the day's end. And they helped find the secret panel in the courtroom that the killer used to get into the room behind Phil's office. Once more, something we would have found ourselves. You're not helping your case here, Tammy. Rita, they didn't kill Phil. I'll admit, they're idiots for breaking out and interfering, but they meant well. Good intentions don't mean shit. When you literally break out of jail to interfere with a murder investigation. And what's this I hear about you telling that girl you're going to execute her? Did she tell you who she is? Yeah, she did. It doesn't matter who her mother was. If she hasn't broken the law, then we have no reason to execute her. But she has broken the law. She broke out of jail to interfere with an ongoing murder investigation. I don't know what kind of point you're trying to make here, Tammy, but it's not working. So we execute people for breaking out of jail now? No trial or anything? You're not the judge, Rita. You don't get to make that call. She's a raider, Tammy. Her mother was a raider boss and leader of the worst raider gang we've ever dealt with. You remember what they did to us last year? 
How much do you want to bet? She was the reason they rioted. She doesn't act like any raider I've met. Besides, wouldn't she try escaping Little Drink if she was actually guilty? Why bother trying to clear her name when she could have gone for the wall? Tammy, that bleeding heart of yours is going to get you killed one of these days. If all it takes for a killer to win you over is a sob story where they're the victim, it makes me wonder how you've managed to arrest anybody at all. We can't just treat everybody who looks different like they're a criminal. I've seen how you've treated that super mutant guy. That prejudice is going to make people start doubting your authority. Alright. So, what did you find? Whoever killed the mayor snuck up from behind him, hit him in the back of the head to incapacitate him, and waterboarded him to death. How did the murderer manage to sneak up behind him? That office isn't very big. When I accessed his computer, I found a program that opened a secret door behind the mayor's desk. It led to a hidden room. The murderer hid inside and waited until the mayor was alone before sneaking out and attacking him. A hidden room? Fascinating. But how did the killer get in the hidden room to begin with? Surprise, surprise, there was a secret back entrance to the secret room. There was a small hidden panel in the courtroom under the mayor's office that opened up into the secret room. We managed to find it thanks to the water dripping down through the panel. Intriguing. That certainly explains how they got in and out. Hmm. Wait, do they not lock their courtroom doors? The lock was broken. It didn't look like it was too great of a lock to begin with, so it probably wouldn't have been hard to break. Well, I suppose that makes sense. You discovered the cause of death, the murder weapon, the murderer's path in and out of the crime scene, and after hearing all this nonsense about a curse, I could assume some religious zealot committed the crime. However, that leaves one question. When are we getting out of here? Well, technically, yes, but no. The question is... Why did the mayor have a secret room in his office? No. The one question... How can you be so ugly, yet full of yourself? Silence, Raider Whelp! We need to know... Who the killer is? No! We need to know who the... Wait. Yes, that one. Before we can be cleared as innocent, we need to know who truly killed Mayor Phil. Well, nothing we can really do about that but wait. Unless you guys want to try and break out again. No! no. I figured I'd ask. I just noticed. Why does Bucket have a hole through him? <laughs> the robot activated and spooked one of the guards, so he shot him. I hope he didn't hit anything vital. Don't bother worrying. The robot already confirmed it was mostly cosmetic damage. <sighs> well, at least there's that. You know, it looks like we have some free time. So, Johnny, how about your segment for the show? Ugh, great. This again. We should also try and flesh out your segment, too. I can't help but feel like maybe we should try and take this a bit more seriously. Where's the fun in that?
Wasteland Active Radio is created, written, and produced by Z. Hagen and Jay Wilson. Brought to you by the record button. The roles of Crispy, Bucket, and Little Drink Guard Saul are played by Mr. Wilson. The roles of Atlas, Dave, Sterling, and Little Drink Guard Pat are played by Mr. Hagen. The role of Johnny is played by B. Seawick, and the role of Shoban is played by B. Eggestone. Special thanks to our guests this week, H. Wilson as Tammy, A. Wilson as Sheriff Rita, and Marin J.M. as Little Drink Guard Carter. Wasteland Active Radio is set in the Fallout video game universe owned by ZeniMax Media and Bethesda Softworks. No copyright infringement is intended. Please support the official release. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your continued support. And for those of you who don't know, we have a merch store. Please feel free to visit our website, wastelandactiveradio.com, and find the store tab for more information. You really think that? Remember that asshole merchant that rolled through here last year? The one you went all doll-eyed over? He could talk smooth, but I could see right through him. I knew he's no good and all he was going to do was hurt you. But no, you went ahead and hooked up with him and he robbed you damn near blind. It ain't prejudice when I'm right. That is not fair, Rita. That's dirty and that's low. (sighs) You're naive, Tammy. Always have been. Oh, I'm naive? I'm easily fooled? Who here believed in Santa until she was 17? Because it sure as heck wasn't me, don't you know? Uh, I can't believe you. I told you that I'm confidence. And who went to bed until she was 14? Oh, that was you, wasn't it? You bitch. If this is how you want to do it, then fine. What was the name Dad used to call you? Don't you dare bring that rotten piece of garbage into this. You didn't deal with him like I did. No, no. What was the name he called you? Aside from waste of space and worthless brat. Clammy Tammy. Fuck you. Uh, excuse me, Sheriff? Maybe we should, um, maybe you should check out the crime scene. Shut Shut the the fuck fuck up, Pat. Shut the fuck up, Pat. All right. Okay.